Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, DC Kipotters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode two four hundred. Jeez, four hundred and twenty-eight. We got so many here. I'm getting a little dyslexic on you. 428. I'm with my man Bobby Lamarco, per usual, throwing down the AFC North studs, duds, breakouts, and sleepers. If you haven't been familiar with this series, get on it. We are breaking down every single team in our series here. We're almost done. We got two divisions left before we get to kick off this season. And we have been breaking down our studs, duds, sleepers, and breakouts as well from each division. So we're going to be getting back into that again this evening with the AFC North. Of course, the Ravens, the Bungles, the Steelers, and the Browns. Bobby, how you doing, brother? You ready for another round of studs and duds? Fortunately, there's going to be a player we talk about today I probably have talked about 17,000 times, but you know what? <laughs> I don't care. I want everyone to know that it's a thing, and I want you guys to draft this guy, so we'll get to him in a little bit. I love it. Right on. I also have a number of players that I've been talking about for a while, and I did a deep dive, my deep sleeper. I'm kind of excited about it. I threw his name on the page, and I was like, okay, let me go through these names. Who am I looking at here? And one thing that's really cool about this particular division, Bobby, is you know we did the AFC East a couple of weeks ago, and it was hard to find top-end guys. I mean, we have like, you know, we have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but then it was like real tough. We had a ton of breakouts, a ton of sleepers, a ton of guys who were going in like the 11th round and the 14th round in the AFC East. This is the opposite, which is excellent for fantasy football, but it was kind of hard for me to find like a true breakout, a sleeper, and certainly a deep sleeper in this division because it's so top heavy, which is absolutely fantastic. So let's jump right into it, man. I'm going to let you kick it off here. And once again, we are doing the AFC, uh, AFC North studs and duds here. And to break it down for you one more time, everybody, if you haven't been paying attention to the other uh, breakdowns, we do it a little bit particular here. We have the four teams, Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and Bengals. And the first category is going to be stud. Second category, dud. We're doing rounds one through five. NFC ADP currently. The players in this division eligible for these two rounds here are the same amount of players. Those players going in round one through five 
through NFC ADP currently are Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins, Deontay Johnson, Lamar Jackson, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Kareem Hunt. There's a lot of options there, Bobby. Obviously, most of them are studs anyway, but who is your ultimate stud there in that range that you're looking forward to putting down on your rosters in 2021? It's Deontay Johnson for me. Um, you know, I think when you look back on this day and you realize that this guy is just getting an otherworldly targets, uh, it's un- it's unreal. So I actually wanted to break down Deontay Johnson. I did this a little bit on the Steelers podcast with Alex. Great episode. Go check that out. But the one thing I wanted to look at was Deontay Johnson left two games extremely early during the season. So I took those games out, and I also took out Week 17 game where Eric Ebron missed. I wanted to see what the actual target distribution and points per game was when all the pass catchers were in the fold and everyone was healthy and everybody was playing. And it's actually kind of shocking because when you look at their points per game finish last year and where they and then where they finished overall, they're really, really clumped together. Deontay missed two games. I get all that. But if you actually dive into his actual 12 full games, he averaged 14 points per game in, 12, in those 12 games. That would have been good for the wide receiver 12. Another key factor to this whole thing is if you look at his targets, he had 132 targets in those 12 games. The craziest part is he's one or two. When you start, when you take out those two random games he left early, he's either one or two with the with Devontae Adams in targets. He is a target monster. And we always say opportunity is the best. You know, follow the opportunity as much as you can. Right there is the important thing. But I also want to look at one of the biggest things that people point out are his drops. So I talked about this on the Steelers podcast is I actually took a look at the last 10 years to see how many guys actually had double digit drops and how they performed the following year. 60 guys qualified for that. So on the year they had double digit drops, they averaged 11 and a half. Okay. The next season that dropped to six. So these guys saw their drops drop in half. So according to PFF, he had 14 drops. That's roughly six, maybe even seven more uh, drops he could see less this season based on the averages we've seen. Okay, So right there, when I actually looked at if he caught six or seven more balls, he actually gets another 0.6, 0.7 points per game bump. So if you top that on top of his 14 points per game when he was healthy, we're talking DeAndre Hopkins numbers. So we're talking top six, seven range for points per game. So he's extremely elite. But also his consistency, because of those targets, Last year, he finished 20th in consistency. But when you take out those two games, he jumps to 11th. At 69% of the time, he finished in double digits. So six, that's 11th. He's top 12 in consistency. He's top 12 in points per game. And right now, he's going overall 47, outside the top 20 for wide receivers. Personally, I like to put my money where my mouth is. And it's really tough to say where you would draft him. Because, like, listen, we were talking to everybody, right? Everybody's going to have a draft spot 1 through 12. So where are you in the fourth round? So my personal thing is I'd take him over Julio Jones, DJ Moore, Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs, Chris Godwin, and Travis Etienne. Those are the type of players I'm taking Deontay Johnson over. Players I would draft behind him in the fourth round, Amari Cooper, which we all know. I'm like, the, I'm on an island with Amari, but I love him. Uh, in the fourth round, Cooper Cup's like one of my biggest breakouts. So are you. And Mike Evans, too. I just think that Tom Brady's an MVP candidate, so I'm just buying into the second year with Bruce Arians. But that's kind of where I'm at with him. I'm almost flirting with the 3-4 turn. With Deontay Johnson, I think he's going to have a monster year this season. Can't hate on Deontay Johnson. I'm going to talk about another Steelers wide receiver in a little bit, so I'll hold on that. But I love the breakdown. And, again, I want to give a big shout-out to our friend Alex Crusoe, Fresh Fantasy, who had an excellent episode uh, with you. Um, we just dropped it um, 
on Monday. So make sure listeners, you go back and check that one out. Alex brought it hot. So make sure you go check it out. Deontay Johnson's absolutely a beast. And honestly, Bobby, I agree with you completely across the board here. I like to usually like to nitpick and find something to play devil's advocate, but you nailed it. And also with all the players that you mentioned around the ADP, I also agree. Um, you know, I'm higher on CD lamb than Amari Cooper, but that's pretty much the only one that I might, you know, come back at you with everything else in that take. I, I absolutely agree with. Okay, let's get into my stud here. Again, rounds one through five in the AFC North specifically. My stud is going to be Joe Mixon. Last year, I got on my soapbox about Joe Mixon. You know, my good brother and I, you know, Christopher Benavides of the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast, we went, you know, at each other's necks last offseason about Joe Mixon. He's not a fan. I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. I ended up settling last year as Joe Mixon is my running back seven. Obviously, that blew up on my face when he went down. Joe Burrow got hurt. They put him in and out of lineup. The rest is history, unfortunately. But thankfully, um, we have another bounce back here, and we should have a better Bengals team in general. So Joe Mixon right now going as the running back 14, uh, middle to back of the second round. He's currently my running back eight in PPR. From weeks three to five, of course, he went out in week five, and then they kind of played with us and played with him all season long until the very end there. From weeks three to five, Mixon saw at least 70% of the snap share. During that stretch, he handled 27.7 opportunities, 22 carries, and about six targets per game. And that translated to an average of 22 PPR fantasy points per game. He was on pace for career highs with 60-plus targets. They're going to have a better offense, better touchdown potential, more touchdown potential. And even with Jamar Chase coming in, I think they're going to still run the offense more or less to help Joe Burrow and that leg behind Joe Mixon either way with the opportunity to share. So I like the volume. I like the opportunity bumps. I like where this offense is projecting to as long as Joe Burrow can get it together this offseason. And the obvious one, no more Gio Bernard. Gio Bernard is now with Brady in Tampa Bay. They have a couple of rookies behind him. I'm not worried about anybody taking workload away from Joe Mixon. It's about him staying healthy. Last year, it it feels like there's this weird Joe Mixon has an injury problem in the pros. He doesn't. He missed four total games in the three seasons before last year. I'm not worried about Joe Mixon at all. He should get the work. The offense should be much better, and he's going to get the uh, the bump in overall potential for touchdowns, which has really been his Achilles heel. He hasn't gotten the touchdowns because the Bengals' offenses have been horrendous the last three seasons. Hopefully they're much better this year. I don't like his schedule, and I don't like to bring in schedule a lot in fantasy football, but having to play the, Ram, uh, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns' defenses, which are three of the best five in the NFL – twice a year so six of his games up against those defenses i don't love that at all but again he can have a big game at any point joe mixon's my stud here and he's currently my running back eight and he's going as the running back 14 so i think you get a little bit of a value on him in the back of the second i man i was off joe mixon last year because the offensive line play and i was like this they haven't done anything i kept saying over and over again like the reason why he struggled so much, and in the back end of 2019 it was, he had this monster stretch of just awesome games, and he was literally leading the NFL in carries, and I'm like, that's an unsustainable volume. But the thing is, it's not – it's like – it's hard. I I like him at 20. Right now in NFC ADP, he's going at pick 20. You just talked about – he's kind of fallen. I'm buying him at 20. Um, but I'm not going to have a lot of him, so I'm going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ahead of him because when you look at his numbers last year, he does look good. He, top 10 in points per game, 15.1 and half point PPR. 
He had one, two games inside, two games inside, two games inside the top ten uh, in in points per game and an RB finish. Sorry, I'm all over the place here. I'm sorry. Two top ten finishes and four outside the top twenty. So like he is extremely boom or bust. And last year it kind of showed he had one monster game mm-hmm. where he finishes the one, number one RB, which a lot of you guys can't do. Joe Mixon can do that. But Jackson Carmen, their second round pick, is not playing with the starters. Riley Reef, you know, kind of a league average tackle, but he's okay at the right side. They're banking on a lot of guys improving. You know, we had um one of the guys that came on for the Bengals, he talked a little bit about Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach coming back. That gets me a little excited for Joe Mixon, but one of the things I looked at with Zach Taylor when he had that one season in Miami, he had Lamar Miller, and Lamar Miller was very good, but he Crushed. finishes RB 14 in points per game at 13.2. I kind of feel like that's where Joe Mixon belongs, like high-end RB2 range, but that's where he's kind of going now in drafts. The question comes, though, in the back of the second, are you going to pass on DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Justin Jefferson? Even I know you talk a lot about Darren Waller, so let me kick it back to you on that. Are you going to take Waller over Mixon in the late second? Maybe a Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Darren Waller. Um, I'm going to take Mixon over those guys. Mm. Uh, DK Metcalf. You guys know I love DK Metcalf. He's my wide receiver six or so. I'm basically drafting him at his ceiling, which I understand is not how you should play fantasy football, but I think that he can absolutely get that and then some this year. Um, but I'm taking. I mean, I'm taking Mixon over Antonio Gibson, who's going before him. Um, and honestly, like, you know, depending on how the draw falls and stuff, like definitely over, you know, DeAndre Swift, um, J.K. Dobbins, you know, these kind of guys, if, if they were to creep up that high, which in the current ADP I'm looking at here, they're pretty close. So, yes, Mixon's in the hunt, and I just – I like the talent, and I like the projection of the offense. I guess my only scare currently is that there's, you know, there's uh, murmurs out of the Bengals camp that, you know, Joe Burrow just looks sloppy. And I'm not going to take too much of that yet. Uh, a, he's got, even though it's a former teammate, he's got a rookie wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he's getting back to full health from last year, which is a gruesome three-part knee injury. Their offensive line still figuring each other out. Uh, so I'm not take, looking too much into that, but if Joe Burrow struggles either physically, mentally, whatever, with recovery, I think they're going to lean more so on Joe Mixon, which they did early last year when Burrow was a rookie, and Mixon was dominating. Uh, in those three games. I know most of that work came against Jacksonville. He had three touchdowns, but he has the ability to break a game open. And I think with these three wide receivers, DBs and linebackers are not going to be able to crowd the box. They're just not because these three wide receivers are all excellent and Joe Burrow can sling it. I think that's going to open up the field for Joe Mixon. And, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown with a kind of a weekly average, I think is absolutely possible uh, for Joe Mixon this year. So I'm I'm high on him, man. Again, he's my running back eight. And uh, getting him in the second round would be would be uh, and that would kind of be a consolation prize for me, frankly, because in some drafts he goes in the back of the first. Yeah, I, you know what, man? Listen, I think we're just different on guys. I, I'm not going to touch him over Antonio Gibson. Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson is like my my new yeah. man crush. Ceh is another guy I'm all about too. I just think that his up and down play last year kind of makes it kind of brought everything to the forefront. Like only one game over 14 points. 14 points is like the baseline to get an RB1 you know, game. Like that's what we want to see. You only did that once. He had 13.9. I am nitpicking a little bit. But, you know, if we lower it to 13.9, he did it twice. But overall, that's kind of the what worries me about Joe Mixon. It's just that they haven't done enough on the offensive line. But like I said, I'm actually buying him this year at, at ADP cost. Last year, I wasn't touching him. This year, I am warming up to Joe Mixon. If he keeps falling to that middle to late second round, I think I'm buying him there. 
Yeah, and I'll say this. I'll, I'll I'll end on this, Bobby, and then you can give a shout out to one of our sponsors. So if if I get if I have like a top six or seven pick, and I get one of these stud running backs, like let's just say I land Zeke, for example, um, then I might actually look at like a DK Metcalf, right? I might, you know, let's say Nuke Falls or something. I'm all over that um, because I if I can and it makes sense, I like to go stud running back, stud wide receiver, one or the other in the first two rounds when it makes sense, but I don't force it. If I end up with, let's see, Travis Kelsey, I'm in like the 8, 9, 10 spot, and I get Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, it, Joe Mixon is going to be my RB1, and I, in my opinion, there's a pretty big gap between Joe Mixon and maybe CEH, but then the rest after that, I'm definitely taking Joe Mixon on the turn there um, with Najee yeah. Harris and Antonio Gibson in, in the mix as well. So, look, man, in this, in this series that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks and this particular division, we're splitting hairs with every one of these guys. We're trying to pick one guy. I love Antonio Gibson. I love Najee Harris, right? You know that. But I'm just going to try to take a stand again for a second year here on Joe Mixon because last year was a little bit of a uh, anticlimactic ending, unfortunately. So why don't you kick it off to one of our sponsors here, and then we'll get into our duds. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, once again, his red zone draft boards. Listen, we've been talking about these guys all, like the last month, they've been a sponsor with us. We love red zone draft boards. The best thing is we're all getting back together. And the thing is you want to do in-person drafts. you got to do a draft with Red Zone. And the best part is now this isn't just your typical draft board. You're getting a legit kit. Not only is it the draft board with 400-player stickers, 20-plus rounds, 14-team league deep, but you also get a championship ring for your league. So not only do you pray, uh, have something for the draft, but you have something for the end of the year to give to your champion. I think it's a must-grab. They also come in an engraved case. You can put your team information on, uh, league information on that case. But it also comes with cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com. I think one of the biggest takeaways still here is they donate $5 to charity, to underprivileged kids. Uh, they fi- donate $5 to communities to help support playing sports. So this is going to a good cause. But also you're getting the draft kit. And right now today, if you go and actually use the TCK promo code, you get 10% off your order. So it's about 90 bucks now in August. You get 10% off. You're getting donating to a good cause. You're checking so many boxes. So go to draftredzone.com, get your draft board, get your ring, and go do an in-person draft with your friends. All right, man, I'm going to go right into it. I'm going to go right into my next group of players. So I um, – excuse me one second. Sorry, man. All right, here we go. So why – all right, I'm messing up here. No worries. Just a recap here really quick on the duds here. Rounds one through five. Same players we're looking at here. This is going to be a dud. Someone that we think may not hit their ADP. And again, these guys are all studs. So it's hard to find a dud in this group. But one of them that might not hit their ADP. Chubb, Harris, Mixon, Dobbins, Johnson, Jackson, Chase, Higgins, and Hunt. Bobby, who's your guy in this grip that you think may not reach their ADP this year? Thank you, Sky, for getting me back in focus. I got my guy. I'm ready to go. My dud is Kareem Hunt. Um, I might have been like the most – I was never wrong, more wrong and right about someone in my entire life than Kareem Hunt last year. I think the first month of the season, I kept saying over and over again, this guy is scoring all his points when the team is up double digits or down double digits. It was happening constantly. And I just kept saying it. And for some reason, it just kept happening, and he kept doing it, and then Chubb gets hurt. But if you look at the end of the season, so last year, I actually looked at this. There's only two players in the NFL last year that had 30 or more carries in double-digit leads and trailing by double digits. One was Kareem Hunt. The other was Derrick Henry. Those are the only two players that had 30 or more carries in both scenarios. That is – for so just to give you perspective, for Derrick Henry, 
that was about 32% of his total carries. For Kareem Hunt, that was 44% of his carries. So 44% of his carries came in, in the times of the game where they were either up double digits or down double digits. That doesn't seem too sustainable to me, especially if the games are closer. This is going to be more of a competitive football team. I think that's something I do not want to bank on. But I also took a look at when Nick Chubb returned. So when Nick Chubb got back from his injury, and you look at the eight games that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were down the stretch, Kareem Hunt was good. I mean, listen, on the service, RB17, 84 points in those eight games is great. But that's 10.5 points per game. That would have been the RB30 in points per game last year. And the thing is, right now today, you're drafting at RB26. I just think that he's giving you no upside with, with Nick Chubb in the full. Nick Chubb is the RB1, and I know that Kareem Hunt had some moments last year, but my problem is, I'm telling you, it was very fluky, and it showed down the stretch. He has barely any upside unless something happens to Nick Chubb. Plus the passing game usage. Two years ago, we talked about this early on. Two years ago, they had no tight ends. It was just Odell and Jarvis Landry, and then behind him, there was nobody. Then the tight ends come in. Now they have plenty of weapons in the pass game. They don't need Kareem Hunt as much. So now he's kind of taking less of a pass game role. He's not a featured runner. So I'm definitely not looking at Kareem Hunt with a 5-6 turn. Players I would draft ahead of him, both Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. Chase Edmonds I'd rather have on my team. Trey Sermon. Give me Trey Sermon a round or two later. I'd rather have him, Odell, Tyler Boyd, Juju, Jerry, Judy. These are just guys I would consider ahead of Kareem Hunt in drafts. I can't argue with your analysis uh, because it's just straight facts per usual. Um, I will say that if you're in a zero RB approach in your draft, if you find yourself looking for running backs heavy in the fifth round or so because you went tight end quarterback wide receivers early, I think Kareem Hunt then becomes an automatic target because of his receiving upside in a potent offense. And although Baker Mayfield has you know low passes per game, which I'll talk about later on, um, they do have the potential to throw to Kareem Hunt, so I like that a lot. Uh, again, we're nitpicking here with the duds, um, but I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, if not for a zero RB approach, I'm probably not taking Kareem Hunt. Although I will say last year, I drafted Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in two different leagues. I got Chubb in the second and Kareem Hunt in the fifth in two different leagues, and um, it was a risk, yeah, yeah. but – it worked out, and I won the championship in that one of those leagues, and I lost in the championship in another one of those leagues. Um, so it's a, a very, very, very expensive handcuff <laughs> and backup, but Kareem Hunt in his own right is a great RB2 weekly. Uh, and again, at this point with this division, we are nitpicking here. I'm going to go and continue with another running back in this range here. I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins. And again, this is not somebody that I dislike. I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. I think he could absolutely – throw this right back in my face. He could be an RB10 potentially um, with this season and the ability in Greg Roman's offense with the uh, Ravens taking another step, hopefully throwing the ball, opening up the pass game, whatever. He's currently going as the running back 16 early in the third round. But if his efficiency doesn't stay the same as it did as a rookie, six yards per carry is amazing. If that doesn't stay the same in 2021, I could see him underproducing at his draft cost. I'd rather have Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, CeeDee Lamb, George Kittle, Allen Robinson, all those guys going around J.K. Dobbins. I would rather have all of those guys. Dobbins was kept to less than 43% of his team snaps in each of the first six games and saw double-digit carries um, just one time over the first three weeks. Through the final nine games, of course, like a lot of these rookies last year, then he started to hit his stride in the back half of the season. 
He averaged 12.1 carries per game, 72.3 yards per game, and he scored seven touchdowns. But again, he had less than one catch average per game. So to be an elite running back, to be a top 10 running back, to be a top 12 running back, frankly, unless you're you know, James Robinson and you just stay healthy and outlast everybody else, you need to have the receiving upside. And J.K. Dobbins doesn't have that. He could score 15 touchdowns like Mark Ingram did two years ago in this offense. Um, but Gus Edwards is going to get plenty of work. Lamar Jackson is going to get plenty of work, obviously. And while I do think J.K. Dobbins, like Kareem Hunt, is a very safe weekly RB2, I don't want to draft them you know, for a safe RB2 in that range. There's incredible you know, high upside tight ends if you want that approach. Great uh, wide receiver ones um, in that range. And I just – I'm not, probably not going to find myself getting J.K. Dobbins in the third round. He falls to the fourth somehow. I'll take it all day long. But right now he's going early. I know the upside's there. I know the offense is great. I know they run the ball more than anybody else in the NFL. But for some reason, I can't find myself pulling the trigger when I get J.K. Dobbins in mock drafts in the third round. Okay. J.K. Dobbins right now is going as the RB15. And he – there was nothing last year. I know he had a stretch without, you know, with Gus Edwards, with Mark Ingram. He was very good, but like he averaged like just over 10 points per game last year. And he played most of the season, at least half the season without Mark Ingram really involved. Now I actually took a look at this. So I, I keep talking about this, my points per rush attempt analysis. So league average, every time a running back gets the ball, the league average is 0.58 points, fantasy points per rush attempt. JK Dobbins last year averaged one point. Every time he touched the football, that is not only an outlier, it is one of the most unsustainable efficiency metrics you'll ever see. Another running back to give you an example that hit that mark was Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara did it a few years ago. He actually did it again in 2020. So Alvin Kamara, one of the most efficient running backs ever has done it. But the following season, Kamara dropped from one point Per rush attempt down to 0.89. I know this doesn't sound like a lot. I know it's a lot of numbers. But that 11% drop in efficiency to make that up. So what I did is I looked at J.K. Dobbins rushing attempts without Mark Ingram, and I did a 16-game pace. It comes out to 108, 98 carries for the season. If you apply his updated fantasy points per rush attempt to 198 carries, along with his passing game usage, he averages 12.9 points per game and half-point PPR. That would have been the RB20 last year. That's with 198 carries and still a 0.89 fantasy points per rush attempt. That's still in a crazy efficiency. That's an unsustainable efficiency. I'm adding that in, and he still only finishes as as RB20 at 12.9 points per game. J.K. Dobbins is another example. He's going to stay healthy because of Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. He's not going to get a lot of work on his legs. He'll probably play 16 games. He might finish as the RB15, but I talk about this all the time. He's not going to give you difference-making numbers. Remember, if a guy gets hurt, right, you could replace him with another player. So give me three more points a week from CEH for 13 games, and then I'll just plug in another guy uh, to, to fill in his spot. So that's why I'm a fading. I am all in on this fade. If you didn't make him a dud, I was going to make him a dud. So I'm glad I got your back 100% on this one. And, and again, for anybody listening to this episode being like, what the hell are you guys doing making J.K. Dobbins a dud? Again, the exercise for what we do on these episodes is we take this particular division and these guys going in particular rounds to give us a sample size. Chubb, Harris, Mixon, Dobbins, Johnson, Jackson, Chase, and Higgins and Hunt. They're all absolutely fantastic. But I agree with Bobby on Kareem Hunt, and I 
uh, well, agree with myself, but Bobby agrees with me. I think I have great takes on this. It's true. Um, true. I agree too. I really applaud my research on this. Uh, Bobby has uh, J.K. Dobbins also. So, um, again, we're not saying fade them at all costs, don't draft them at all. It's just in the third round seems a bit pricey. Kareem Hunt back in the fifth or sixth seems a little more realistic to me. J.K. Dobbins, though, in the third round I think is just a bit too much. I'm going to take a quick pause here and give a shout-out to another one of our sponsors. Good friends of the show, and then we'll let Bobby get into his breakouts. Of course, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. DM them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. I just put in an order. It's like it's like my it's honestly like a a prize to myself. You know, I, I don't I don't do a lot of things like buy gifts for myself or take myself out for for treats or anything like that. It's just not really my style. But Myself and Bobby and the rest of our crew this summer have been working really hard to bring you all content all summer long. And I frankly just felt like, you know what? I enjoy buying jerseys. I have a lot of jerseys, as you all know, behind me. I want to bring in a couple more for like my game day kickoff special celebration for the season coming up here after a long summer. I just put in an order for a handful of jerseys. I'm not going to explain who they are yet, but when they come, I will have a jersey reveal and let you know how good the quality is and uh, the players and everything else. It looks like game-worn jerseys from them. My man Trenton will take care of you. So hit up again, the Jersey Jungle on Instagram, at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK for 10 to 15% off of your jerseys. They started 60 bucks. NFL.com has them for 120. That's I think half the price if my math is correct. Go check out the Jersey Jungle. They are legit. We'll bring it back here with our breakouts, but hit up the Jersey Jungle one more time. DM them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. All right, Bobby, let's get into our breakouts here. I will set it up for you. The breakout rounds 6 through 10 in the AFC North. We have Mark Andrews, Odo Beckham, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, uh, Hollywood Brown, Jarvis Landry, and Gus Edwards. Who is your breakout from the 6th to 10th round in the AFC North? For the 40,000th time, it's Tyler Boyd. I mean, Sky, I, I listen, I feel bad because you, you heard this this afternoon. You're going to hear it again. I told God, you. Is there anyone other than Tyler Boyd? No, no. Someone other than Tyler Boyd. Sky knows more than anybody that one of my favorite articles is football outsiders slot versus wide quarterbacks. I'm obsessed with it. It's one of my favorite articles to read every single year. It just got released today. Very, very valuable. Shout out to them. Go follow, go check it out. And sure enough, it gets released. One of the things I always talk about is about 60, most of quarterbacks target the slot 60, 40. So 60% of the slot, 40% out wide. I just got Joe Burrow's numbers. He's out. He's a little bit actually less. He's at 58%. But Joe Burrow was the number one in differential and DVOA. So DVOA is they basically factor in if every game was against a league average defense, how you performed. So if a defense was better than league average, they give you more credit. If it was worse than league average, they give you less credit. So basically that's what DVOA is. Joe Burrow was number one in differential from slot versus wide. 20% differential. So he was so much more efficient throwing into the middle of the field than he was out wide. Just to give you an example, he was bottom five in DVOA when throwing out wide. He was 17th throwing to the slot, right? And guess who lives in the slots, guy? You want to take a guess? Ooh, Tyler Boyd. 
Tyler Boyd, okay? Last season, I brought this up before. I'm going to say it all again. Last, So in the games, weeks 2 through 11, I take out week 1 because T. Higgins did not play, trying to be fair to everybody. Here's the target leaders with Joe Burrow. Boyd, 81. Higgins, 70. A.J. Green, 66. 16-game pace for uh, Tyler Boyd, 144 targets. Oh, by the way, in 2019, when uh, Joe Burrow was like the cream of the crop, I'm pretty sure a guy named Justin Jefferson played the slot, and I think he was pretty good, and he had a great college career over there. So that's another aspect of this whole thing. Oh, points per game with Joe Burrow, 13.6 for Boyd, 12.1 for Higgins, 5.7% for A.J. Green. But still, who's ahead of Higgins? Boyd again. ADP. That makes sense. Boyd's probably going the first one. ADP, Higgins 53, Chase, uh, Ch- Jamar Chase 54, Boyd 83. I it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it just I'm sorry. I get it. It's not, it's not fun, it's not sexy, but I've talked about this all the time. It's easier. Quarterbacks are gonna throw to the middle field more often than not. It's harder to sustain two out wide receivers than it is a slot guy and an out wide guy. I'm just saying for Jamar, it's great for CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. They're probably gonna be one and two. Then Michael Gallup. Same thing goes. We just we're gonna talk about this later with, uh, with Chase Claypool, Juju Smith Schuster. Juju has a little bit upper hand, but I actually have a nugget about that. So actually it's not a big deal. Anyway, my point is Tyler Boyd, like he should be going at the six-seven turn. Like easy. I would consider him. I actually took a look at this. I would consider if someone takes him at 60th overall, I would I would not blink an eye. It makes sense. Him and Jerry Judy in that range are like the only two guys where I think those guys are going to be lock solid wide receiver twos. So take Boyd all day. You can take him as high in the sixth round as you want. He's a breakout. He's he doesn't even he already broke out. Just just keep getting it. He's going to be the next Jarvis Landry, Robert Woods for the next three to five years. Bobby, I got two things for you. If you were to go to Jersey Jungle right now on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle and use the promo code TCK, and you were to get any, I don't know, Cincinnati Bengals jersey, which one would you get? I mean, listen, if it, if it helps stop talking about Tyler Boyd, I just wear his jersey. And anytime someone says, "Oh, so what do you think about who do you, who do you think is going to be a breakout?" I'll just go like this because I'm tired of talking about Tyler Boyd. He is just do it. I'm going to get a Nike Tyler Boyd. Jersey, just do it, Tyler Boyd, twenty twenty one. You have you have to wear it like crisscross back in the day, and you'll wear it backwards. That way, you can rep the, you know, you could hold it up this way with the nameplate. Another thing, Bobby here. So when you have been doing your team breakdowns, right? You have guests on for team breakdowns. I have guests on for team breakdowns. You and I do this one together. You put your guests on the clock, right? You add a little yeah. extra pressure with your people. I'm going to do that to you right now, just because you had said that you would take Tyler, or not that you would take him. You would be okay if someone took him at about 60 overall. Well, coincidentally, looking at NFC ADP right now, guess who is going at 60 overall? Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So I'm going to put you on the clock really quick with a number of picks. We don't need analysis. I'm going to give you a couple of names. Versus Tyler Boyd, would you rather have that player or Tyler Boyd? We'll make it quick. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Brandon Ayuk. Tyler Boyd. Let's go with uh, your boy, Kenny G. Tyler Boyd. Claypool. Tyler Boyd. Juju Smith-Schuster. Tyler Boyd. (laughs) Odell Beckham. I got a couple more for you. Oh, this one hurts a little. I'm going to go Tyler Boyd. That's close, though. Okay, but probably only because of the risk. I mean, if Odell was Odell, it's no question. All right, DJ, DJ Chark. Tyler Boyd. Sutton. Tyler Boyd. Robbie Anderson. Tyler Boyd. And Jerry Judy. Pass. Uh, (laughs) Those are my two babies. Those are my two babies. I love Jerry Judy too. So we so we found the round. But but if 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 Tyler Boyd's going at like eighty four for ADP, you're closer to like high seventies. 
you know, you'd be okay with like, so you're looking at maybe a, 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 an early sixth round pick. You'd be okay. ADP's got him in the back of the seventh. So your, yeah, your personal value, you're saving around. And honestly, in home leagues, he's probably going to fall to the eighth or ninth because nobody cares about him because he's yeah. not flashy. And B, you know, you, all the hype is uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins right now. Also, Tyler Boyd has the most slot targets and receptions since he came into the NFL. And that was with Andy Dalton and whoever knows what until Joe Burrow. So I'm with you, man. Tyler Boyd is definitely a great pick here to be a breakout. And he hasn't broken out yet. He's had some solid seasons, but always been behind A.J. Green. Last year, almost behind T. Higgins, you could argue. Still has the hype behind Jamar Chase. We'll see what happens. I like it a lot. I'm going to go to another breakout wide receiver here, and this one is really hit or miss. After listening to the Steelers podcast with our boy Alex Caruso, I almost deleted this one and started over <laughs> because he was not as excited about Chase Claypool. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take my stand here. He didn't see much playing time until week three. Chase Claypool is my breakout here, wide receiver 29 currently, back of the sixth round. Didn't see much playing time until week three. He had 100 targets from week five on. That's behind Juju. That's behind uh, Deontay Johnson. 100 targets from week five on 14.3 yards per reception was the best on the Steelers. He caught nine passes of 20 yards or more, and he was third in the NFL in deep targets with 31. When they run. So Najee Harris now is a part of that. We know last year they gave up on the run. Okay. So it's a little bit, those numbers are a bit skewed, which I can respect. They gave up on the run in Pittsburgh and just were running and gunning the rest of the season. And they went from 11 and 0 to out in five weeks, right? Lost yeah, to the Browns right. twice. But because they weren't balanced. And when you're in the NFL, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, if the Chiefs don't have to run the ball, but when they don't run the ball, they can be stuck, right? The Buffalo Bills, absolutely phenomenal team. Didn't run the ball. Eventually it caught up to them. You got to be balanced at some level. Chase Claypool should stay on the field as the number two opposite of Deontay Johnson, in my opinion. So when they go two wide receivers, maybe two tight ends, and they get rid of a slot receiver that's going to be Juju, and they're going to you know run heavy with uh, Najee Harris and and run with the uh, play action as well. So Chase Claypool should see more of an uptick with him just being on the field when Juju is off there in other packages. Big Ben can still chuck it when he needs to. All right, Chase Claypool was ninth in air yards last year with nearly 1,500, 1,448, and he was fifth in the entire NFL with 11 receiving touchdowns. Chase Claypool's more than boomer bust. He came out of Notre Dame, and there was a lot of talk last year this time that he was going to be a tight end for the Steelers. And then they let him run a couple routes. We're like, um, never mind. He's dominant. Nobody can cover him. I think he could be absolutely dominant. I know Big Ben is on the wrong side of his career. They're trying one more time. Deontay Johnson, as you already mentioned, is the guy there. But Juju almost walked this year. Najee Harris, I think, is going to be special. But when it's time for a big play, and there's double coverage maybe on Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool is going to be open down the sideline, and I think just unguardable for the most part. I like Chase Claypool to, to really break out this year. And again, going as a wide receiver 29, maybe your wide receiver three, it's just all upside to me. So with Chase Claypool, you got to understand something with him. Uh, week seven, Deontay Johnson returned. So there was a two-game stretch where Deontay Johnson played, but he barely played, and then he was out. 31% of Chase Claypool's points on the season came in those three weeks. So 58 four touchdowns against the Eagles. <laughs> four touchdowns. Like my point is with Chase Claypool. So I looked at when I'm diving into all that, that was a red flag. But I so I looked at the 12 games, 
when it was Ebron and all that. And I brought this up with Deontay a little bit earlier. The problem with Claypool is he was way behind Juju and he was way behind Deontay. So Deontay Johnson, 14 points per game. Juju was at 12.6. And Claypool was at 9.1 when they were all together playing and healthy. And that's a little worrisome to me. Also with Chase Claypool, he's a it's a coin flip. Last season, he was 50-50 to get double-digit fantasy points and half-point PPR. Literally 50-50. So th- that was 32nd in the NFL. So he's a coin flip. But the other thing, too, is he, he had a ridiculous touchdown um, per percentage. So last year, he was 38% of his fantasy points came from touchdowns. That's on par with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. And I brought that up with, on my previous podcast. But the important thing is, when you have a 38% tar, uh, touchdown percentage of your total points, you know, Devontae Adams was and Tyreek Hill were so much better than everybody else. They could lose 10% and still be ahead of everybody. Chase Claypool was a wide receiver three last year, and if he loses 10%, that's not going to be good for him. He's going to fall further. So I understand that he also had two rushing touchdowns, which is very hard to uh, bank on for for running, uh, for running wide receivers. So I, I don't hate it. I like him in best ball, maybe more of a standard yeah. format type of guy. Um, but at the same time, like I've talked about, I'm not going to take him over Tyler Boyd, Jerry Judy, um, because I'm much more higher on those guys. And I just think Deontay Johnson is just ready to take off. I, I do too. And really, I, I, there's so many breakouts in this in this category. I almost picked Mark Andrews because I think he may even have a higher ceiling potentially. Beckham, we've seen breakout. With, hopefully, I mean, he's due for another breakout. You know, yeah. Tyler Boyd's a great pick. Joe Burrow obviously could bounce back. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Gus Edwards, frankly, who that might be a committee there. So, Great pick there. Why don't you get into your first sleeper here? Now we have sleepers and deep sleepers. So why don't you give yeah. a sleeper? Why don't you give a sleeper? And then we'll pause for for one more one more sponsor, and then I'll get into my sleeper. Then we can get into deep sleepers. Once again, our sleeper is around from eleven to fourteen. So not all the way at the end of draft yet. We'll have a deep one in a minute. Rounds eleven to fourteen. Rashad Bateman, Baker Mayfield. Big Ben Roethlisberger are really the players in this division going in that range. Again, there's not a lot because this division is so top-heavy. So Bateman, Mayfield, Big Ben, who do you have as your sleeper? <sighs> okay. <laughs> there wasn't a lot. I think the, the layup seen Rashad Bateman, but I'm sorry. I just, like, I can't get behind Rook. I know last year rookie wide receivers like Justin Jefferson burned us, but C.D. Lamb – like, yes, he was good, but, like, if you look at him on a points-per-game basis, he wasn't a difference maker. He just over – I know that was Dalton and that was Ben DiNucci. We need to get rid of that game, so that's true. He probably was better. But, I mean, so this is the thing about Big Ben. When you start looking into his numbers, it's like – I went into this whole thing, like, I was sitting there for, like, a half hour. Like, we're not joking. I could not find – because you took Baker. Sorry, spoiler, everybody. I just ruined Sky's sleep. But anyway, but I like him the most. And actually, we'll get into that. But Ben Ben, I was looking at him. I'm a little concerned about the Matt Canada thing, the offensive line. They're trying so much to this new motion play action. Trying to, Matt Canada's known for run game concepts. He's had plenty of good running backs in college. Darius Geis, like Naheem Hines, Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon, a bunch of guys. James Conner, a bunch of guys. Anthony McFarlane on his own team. So I think... From that standpoint, I'm much more cons- I'm more excited for Najee Harris in that sense. But Big Ben is not good in play action. Last year, he was one of one of only he was the only quarterback to have under 10 percent play action pass percentage at 9.6 percent. Everybody else in the NFL, who 20 percent of the team's passes, had over 10 percent in play action. Big Ben did not. He had minus 7.7 percent completion percentage and minus 1.1 yards per attempt. When Big Ben's moving around, I understand maybe that's all problematic. So I'm a little concerned about this new concept of motion and play action. But 
He's one year removed from a serious arm injury. Last year, it's really hard to expect this guy who could not throw all, all offseason. He took a year off to just jump in. In a COVID offseason, he didn't even have time really to connect with Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Listen, Deontay Johnson in 2019 was only his second year. And then it was also, I mean, it was his rookie year. And then his second season was last year. His first year with Big Ben. Chase Claypool was a rookie. He didn't have a lot of time to work with these guys. So there's room for optimism there. But the thing that really got me uh, interested was that he actually finishes the QB 13 last year. So right there, I was just like, all right, he's a little better than I thought he would be. So there, it's like he's he was third in pass attempts, but he was 24th in, in fantasy points per per dropback. So I know that – what if – what if – what if the Steelers can't run the ball again? What if? So my thought process is like, listen, I'm not taking a lot of Big Ben. This is a deep sleeper. But at the same time, he's got three – he might have the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Top three, top four, whatever you want to call it. He's got Eric Ebron, Pat Firemuth, Najee Harris, and even Anthony McFarland's making plays. So he's got every skill position covered. And even if there's injuries, he's got James Washington on the back burner as well. So I just think that he has the depth and talent around him. One year removed from this injury. And what if happens if the offensive line doesn't gel and he still has to throw back, you know, third most in the NFL? You're looking at probably a fringe QB1 this season. I don't hate it, dude. And again, Big Ben, I mean, I have my breakouts, Chase Claypool. Your stud is is Deontay Johnson, right? And all of that is reliant not on Duck Hodges. So we are counting on <laughs> we are counting on Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't hate it, man. I think I think look, we got twenty years of Big Ben. All right, we understand what's going on now. He's gonna he's not gonna hold the ball very long. When he was younger, there's highlights of him that are insane. Right there's in the prime of his career, he would get sacked top and bottom and literally just throw dudes off and then still throw a sixty yard bomb to AB. Those days are way behind him. But he's not gonna run. He doesn't want to take hits. Yeah. They the defense is incredible, so they should be able to grind the clock out and run the ball. But last year, Big Ben had one of the quickest releases in the entire NFL, so that he doesn't get hurt. Philip Rivers elongated his career by five years by never getting hit. Peyton Manning did the same thing. So the jury's out. There's no really surprises with Big Ben. I do think he can continue to do it. And frankly, man, at almost forty years old, he's not going to come back and do this if he can't do it. You know what I'm saying? I know they were close, and the taste is there from last year. But he knows the deal. If he can't do this, guys are going to rip him up. That And, again, those defenses in that division are no joke. So I like Big Ben. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. You, you said it already, but I'm going to go with Baker here. Uh, QB 19 going in about the 13th round. In single quarterback leagues, he's not even drafted. Neither is Big Ben. Super flex, great. I think uh, QB 2, maybe even QB 3, depending on how you do things. And – Quickly, you mentioned you know the layup seemed like Rashad or uh, uh, Rashad Bateman. I said the same thing when I was doing this research. I was like, "Who am I going to pick?" Rashad Bateman seems obvious. So, really quickly, Bobby and I both have Rashad Bateman as a sleeper. It goes without saying, I think he's going to be the number one in Baltimore by halfway through the season. Um, I just think he'll take over for Hollywood Brown personally. But I didn't break down Rashad Bateman on this podcast. We'll do it another time. Baker Mayfield came in as a rookie. You know, was Justin Herbert before Justin Herbert, right? Let's not forget, Baker Mayfield didn't start until week five. Terod Taylor, unfortunately, had it happen back-to-back seasons. But he came in Thursday Night Football with the Jets. The Browns hadn't won a game since, like, I think it was like 71 or something, if my numbers are correct. Baker Mayfield comes in at halftime, brings them back. They win the game. Free Bud Light for everybody in Cleveland. The rest is history, all right? So Baker Mayfield sets all the records, breaks all the Peyton Manning records, yada, yada. That lasts about eight months, ten months. Justin Herbert does the same thing all over again. 
little bit of a down season as a sophomore. And then last year gets Odell Beckham, a new head coach. We'll see what happens. Okay. He was second in the NFL in money throws, quote unquote. A money throw is basically a throw executed with exceptional skill, athleticism in the clutch. So it's like third and short, fourth and short, two point conversions, um, you know, first and long, third and long, things like that. Late in the game, two point, uh, uh, two minute drills, uh, down with points before the half, needing to have those points and extending a drive or setting up for a field goal. He was second in the NFL in money throws under the clutch. He was ninth in air yards per pass attempt with 8.3. He was eighth in true completion percentage and play action completion percentage as well. True completion percentage basically eliminates spikes, throwaways, kneel downs, things like that, like bogus plays that don't count, but they count against the attempts. Uh, So in true completion percentage, he was eighth in the NFL. Fifth in true passer rating, again, eliminating the throwaways and the spikes and whatnot. Fifth in true passer rating, and the Browns, had the six most drops in the NFL last year with 78 on the season, and that's about five per game. Now, Baker Mayfield's see his rookie season, which was incredible, record-breaking, and last year are very, very similar. He played two fewer games his rookie year, but he had a career high last year in QB rating, 90, 96 his completions are in his career, three-year career, 305 to 317. That's where they've been. He's good for about 480 to 490, 500 pass attempts. Not incredible, but we know the Browns run first. It's still a good number. <clears throat> Completion percentage, 63%. Still hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards, but I think that could happen with a full year of Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham. He's good for 7.5 yards per attempt. The big one here. He set a record in 2018 with 27 rookie passing touchdowns, breaking Peyton Manning, and then Herbert broke that last year. In 2020, Baker Mayfield had 26 passing touchdowns, but his interceptions went down by 13 from 2019. In 2019, he had 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Last year with Kevin Stefanski, with the efficiency we saw in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill in Cleveland now, he had 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions and his sacks went down by 14 as well getting rid of the ball rushing the ball more often as well baker mayfield former number one overall pick heisman trophy the talent is there the skill is there i think he got some humble pie last year should have beat the chiefs had a real chance to do something special didn't do it and they got beat up in 2019 as well i know a lot of people say he's better without odell Odell beckham jr the numbers indicate he's more efficient yes Nobody is better without a talent like Odell Beckham. They just had to figure out how to mesh and play together. Still has Jarvis Landry in his prime and arguably the best run game overall in the NFL. If you're looking for a late-round QB, you could do worse than Baker Mayfield. So with Baker, I talk about this a lot as the year two leap. And the second year of a system with the same quarterback, same offensive coach, this is the only time in fantasy we see jumps in points per game. Everything else, it's pretty much even, zero. This is like the one time where you can find true value in the passing game. So last year, here's examples. Kyler Murray, his second year with Cliff Kingsbury, 7.1 more points per game. Aaron Rodgers, second season with Matt LaFleur, 9.4 points per game. I talk about Matthew, Matt Ryan. He only played five full games with uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones last year. This is a little bit of nitpicking to help our stats out, but it is what it is. My podcast, I do whatever I want. <laughs> Uh, so it was he was over 26 points per game from the year prior at 21 points per game. Even guys like Ryan Tannehill in his second year, he had that blazing season last year 
uh, with everything he did, but he still went up 2.8 points per game the following year in his second season in that system. So this is what I'm talking about. I think the best example of all is Kirk Cousins. Kevin Stefanski is coming from a similar style scheme, working with Gary Kubiak the year prior in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins averaged 3.6 more points per game. You could slap that on top of Baker Mayfield, that that growth in the system. That's the second year for Kirk Cousins. That's what I believe that is going to happen with Baker Mayfield. Also, it's hard to really give uh, say that about Odell Beckham because no offseason, COVID-19, bringing in a new scheme, the, the hiccups were all there. It might not even have been an Odell thing. It's just that Baker had to get used to the system, limited offseason. It took him – we saw it with Tom Brady. I mean, same thing. He took off in the second half. So it's realistic to think that Odell got hurt and the offense just started clicking a little bit more after all those really bad weather games. So I think I'm all in on Baker here. The problem is I don't know if he has a ceiling. I mean, I think he's going to be a fringe QB1. I think he's going to be fantasy relevant this year. But I don't really care to draft Baker. He's not going to be the QB1 overall. They are not going to throw enough. He doesn't offer you that tremendous upside, you know. So I think that's it. But in a two QB league, I think he's I think he's solid. I think he's a great QB too. Yeah, I agree. And and if you're looking at late round quarterbacks, again, I think you can have a good streaming position. Should be a nice, you know, he, he's going to have some big games. My only concern with Baker Mayfield in the pass attack at all is the same as it is with the Ravens. The Browns had the fewest pass plays per game last year. He was still QB 17 with the fourth fewest pass plays per game. Gets Odell back, more efficient, second year with Stefanski. I believe I said Tennessee and Tannehill a second ago. I'm sorry, I meant Minnesota and Cousins, my bad, um, with Stefanski. But nonetheless, uh, I do think Baker Mayfield can rebound, and if he does, uh, that's going to be a big deal there for the Browns. All right, Bobby, before we get into our final section here with our deep sleepers, we have a new sponsor. We do, we do. And the last thing I just want to bring up about Baker before we start it, he plays the Chiefs in week one, so that could be shootout. a shootout. Week two, Houston Texans. So Baker might actually not be that bad. He actually might have the volume, and he also has a cake matchup in week two. So now, it could be someone you look at. The issue there in week two versus Houston is the problem is Nick Chubb might have 39 yeah, carries yeah. for 815 yards yeah. rushing. So we'll see what happens. I know. Right, right. All right. So we do have a new sponsor. And actually, I'm really excited because I actually write for this company. Um, it's Expand the Box Score. Uh, so Expand the Box Score is now we officially have updated our NFL tool and dashboard for the 2021 season. Um, so right now on the screen, you're seeing everything you get with the Expand the Box Score uh, draft tool. Uh, so it's actually just like in-season stats Everything you think of, very customizable. We also have a scatter plot tool. And when I tell you, if you're not going to find this level of detail for this price. So if you look on the screen, you're going to see PFF and Sports Info Solutions. It costs about $200 a year for PFF, $750 for Sports Info Solutions. This package is only $25. And this scatter plot tool is really cool. You can actually combine a bunch of stuff, like see what players have the most yards per attempt. Uh, yards per uh, reception and combine it with yards and do all these different stuff. You have a customizable scatter plot tool. I trust me, if you're into fantasy football, it's a lot of fun. But if you're looking for just general stats all in one place, we also have receiving leaderboards, rushing leaderboards with all this information, with red zone information all in one place. And the best part, too, is because of your TCK listener, if you use the promo code TCK, you get 25% off. So now you're getting it for like $18.75. That's a deal and a half to get all these special tools. And just for the listeners, I have, I'm have i putting you on the spot right now, Sky. I gave Sky some inside scoops here. Sky, by next week, I want you to see this tool. I want you to get your feedback, and I want you to tell the listeners how great of a tool it really is. 
Done. You got it. And and I've been using other tools for so many years, putting all these things together. And I just, you and I have so much fun. We nerd out on these things, but expand the box score has a great opportunity. And again, Bobby's been writing for these guys for quite a while. So, you know, this is, we know firsthand how quality this material is. And again, you know, you look at other packages, I'm not going to name companies and things. We're not here to, you know, throw people under the bus or anything, but you look at preseason packages, whether it be a draft guide or a tool or whatever, 60, 80, 100, 150 bucks sometimes. $25 plus the promo code. I mean, like you're, yeah. you're, you're really able to get a, a, a great deal on this one and look, try it out for the season. Right. I mean, it'll really help you out with like our draft guide abilities and things and what we're breaking down. A lot of you DM us after shows and they're like, Hey guys, great episode, but where do you get all the numbers? How do you figure out all these averages? Like, what do you, what tools are you using? A lot of times it's yeah, expand the box score. So make sure you go over there. Also, Bobby, again, has a lot of his individual writings over there that you can check out. So once again, new sponsor yeah. of the program, shouts out to expand the box score. Happy to have them on board. Go check them out right now and use the promo code TCK for 25% off. All right, Bobby, we got our, this is, this is the one everybody wants. This is the end of the draft. People are sleeping. You're, you know, you're a few frosties deep at your draft. You're kind of like, okay, I got two picks left. You know, I'm going to get out of here, but you got to get somebody that could be weak winning or game breaking if they get the opportunity and someone that could turn a couple of weeks around on bye weeks. That's when we get our deep sleepers. This is round 15 or deeper, 15 or deeper in your deep sleepers here. We got Sammy Watkins now with the Ravens, Austin Hooper, Eric Ebron, your boy CJ Ozama. So maybe, maybe that's an automatic give it away here with CJ Ozama on the board. We got <laughs> not T Higgins, but Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples Jones, Benny Snell, James Washington, or you mentioned earlier, and there's a couple of names as well. So who's your deep sleeper out of the AFC North that you're hoping can ex- you know exponentially uh outpace their ADP potentially with the right opportunities? All right, folks. We're super excited, and I do choo, not choo. Sammy Watkins. All right. So when you're looking at this stuff, now, this is this I, is for the whole season, Bobby, not just week one. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I I said week one. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, this with Sammy Watkins, like he kind of already been talking about this. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey were significantly better than him, and he's brought up the fact in in, in the interviews that he kind of said, "I know my role," and he still was producing wide receiver four numbers consistently in the time when he was healthy for the Chiefs. But now he's talking about, like, listen, I could be the alpha in this offense. One of the things that I've noticed right off the bat is Marquise Brown injury, injured his hamstring, has been out for a couple weeks. Rashad, uh, Rashad Bateman, which we were talking about a little bit, has been out with an abdominal injury. He just came back this week, but he's been out, missing a bunch of time with Lamar Jackson. Sammy Watkins has been lining up camp. I understand people say this all the time about Watkins, but – this kid is a this kid's talented, former first round pick. But the thing I like about him is that he's moving into the slot. And he's probably going to be the main slot guy with Bateman and Marquise Brown on the outside. And listen, Lamar Jackson is one of only three quarterbacks over the last two seasons to target the slot 70% or more during the season. It's him, Derek Carr, Jared Goff. 70% or more targeting the slot. So right there tells you that whoever's in the slot is going to get some premier targets. And a lot of that's Mark Andrews, but it's also going to help Sammy Watkins. So when I look at this last year, he had a 40%, uh, 48% slot rate with the chiefs. That's twice as much as Marquise Brown. So I know it's going to be probably Watkins inside, but Willie Sneed 
Yes, Willie Sneed. Um, not the greatest fantasy guy. Probably not even close as a talent as Watkins. He was third on the team in, in routes. During games, he was healthy. So he was third on the team in routes behind Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. So that right there tells me he's stepping into that role. He's probably going to be third in routes. He had 46 targets in 12 healthy games. That's a 16-game pace of 61 on a league low 406 attempts. So we're talking about some level of growth. They made a lot of effort this offseason to surround Lamar Jackson with more passing game talents. If they can push it a little bit, that's a 15% target share. So 61 targets on 406 attempts is a 15% target share. Now, when we're looking at deep sleepers, my thought is if I can get somebody who gets you fringe wide receiver three numbers, you know, that might be something to do. So the thing I like, too, is Greg Roman's history with Sammy Watkins. Greg Roman, of course, is the OC now for the Ravens. He was the OC for the Bills when Sammy Watkins had his breakout season. That season, he finishes the wide receiver nine in points per game and 15.7 points per game. So I'm not saying that he's going to be that, but I'm saying that Greg Roman has featured Sammy Watkins. Greg Roman knows Sammy Watkins, and he's already proving himself on camp with Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's talked him up too. So I just think that in the last round of a deeper league, you take a dart throw on Sammy Watkins. Marquise Brown has not proven himself to be an elite number one. Rashad Bateman, yes. I think the talent's there. A lot of people are excited. But we see this all the time with rookies. Not a lot of rookies break out every year. Last year seemed like to be the exception. If you go the years prior, there really wasn't anything until 2014. So – Take the flyer on Sammy Watkins. I think he could be a deep sleeper this year. I like it, man. It's all about staying healthy with Sammy Watkins. We know that. He's been productive when healthy. Unfortunately, he can't stay healthy very often, but that's why we're in the deep sleeper round, 15th round or later. I like it. All right, man. Last time we did this, I went with a deep sleeper, De'Ami Brown of the Washington football team, and he was getting drafted in like the 140th wide receiver or something like that. And I was like, that's just insane. 38th round, no league goes that deep. Like, what, what are we doing here? So I, I look at this list again. Watkins, Hooper, Ebron, Uzama, Higgins, Richard Higgins, not T. Higgins, Peoples-Jones, Snell, and Washington. And I look at this list. I'm like, okay, there's some upside, whatever. Uh, a couple of tight ends I'm not really excited about. So I started looking at it. And I looked at the ADP for all these guys just to get an idea. My deep sleeper is Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Bobby, just for fun, I would like you to take a gander. And <laughs> I just hate take, this game. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's great. It's great uh, because it's just how ridiculous. So I'll give you a clue. It's probably 30 wide receivers deeper than you think he is and probably six rounds later than you think he is. Where do you think right now, according to NFC, Donovan Peoples-Jones' current ADP is at wide receiver and round? Uh, I'm going to say – 475 uh, wide receiver, 232. <laughs> okay, not quite that far, but close. Right. Wide, re- oh, yeah. wide receiver, 138, and going in the 35th round of your drafts, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're doing any more than 17, then you can find Donovan Peoples-Jones down there in the 35th round. All right, here's the deal. He's behind Jarvis Landry. He's behind Odell Beckham. We know that. If either were to miss time, and Odell Beckham over the last couple of years has missed time, unfortunately, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a great stash in redraft if you have a deep bench and certainly in dynasty, I believe, because Odell could be out. Jarvis Landry could be out in the next year or two. Odell Beckham could go down again, unfortunately, and I'm not banking on injury, but this is kind of uh, an opportunity to just be aware in case anything were to hit the fan again in Cleveland. So DBJ is a nice stash here. 
Uh, he's been working with Baker Mayfield all season. The camp reports are very strong for him. He's been play playing a lot of contested catches. Odell Beckham is out and about, but not full speed. Jarvis Landry is a veteran at this point, not taking all the reps. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been that guy and doing really well for a second-year player. Some of his just kind of stats, but he doesn't have a lot of stats. So some of his just paperwork coming into the league as a second-year player, 99th percentile in burst score, which measures athleticism, strength, explosiveness, etc. So basically just like the type of wide receiver there, DK Metcalfs, right? The Calvin Johnsons, like 99th percentile burst score for Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. Very impressive. Anything over a score of 130 is considered exceptional. Donovan Peoples-Jones graded out at 145. So he's way ahead of exceptional just in raw tools and talent. Okay, so not stats, but just ability. Now, I understand for those of you traditionalists, there's been a lot of wide receivers, especially Doriel Green Beckham is a name I'll throw out there for you, Bobby, nice. who, who everybody was, you know, J.J. Ortega Whiteside as well. Another one people were fired up about never actually made it happen. Donovan Peoples-Jones last year had a total of six targets through week 12. All right. 12 weeks of the season, he wasn't playing at all. He had six targets total. After that, though, he saw 14 targets over the final four games, catching nine of those for 232 yards. Quite impressive and a nice touchdown there. So, again, deep sleeper. I don't expect you to play him anytime soon, but he is a rare wide receiver handcuff. Meshed well with Baker last uh, season. Odell has injury history at least. We know that, again, I just mentioned fourth fewest pass plays in the NFL for the Browns, but when they play off of this um, – efficiency and off of the play action Stefan Diggs a lot of his early work with the Minnesota Vikings was off play action deeper bombs right before he became like a bona fide stud wide receiver that could be DPJ if they don't want Odell Beckham stretching the field off of his ACL and that's just not Landry's game so again deeper shot here but if I'm looking between like Richard Higgins or Donovan Peoples-Jones or even Sammy Watkins to be honest with you Benny or Bobby or um, James Washington I'm going to put my eggs in, in Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's got a lot of potential and far from his ceiling. It's fun. I mean, 6'2", 99% out burst score. Um, yeah, I mean, we're reaching here. I mean, a lot of these guys were in this in this division. It was tough to find. It's all realistic, top heavy. Listen, it's realistic, guys, for like a standard redraft league. These guys are not probably maybe Watkins, but I, I just don't overall think these guys are options – in your standard leagues, and you're meaning by standard, I mean like a typical six bench spots, nine starters, 15 rounds type league. I don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, when you're looking at Donovan Peoples Jones, the thing that only worries me is this the system that Kevin Stefanski has is a two wide receiver system. We saw it last year. It's it's basically two guys that can flourish. Look at the Vikings, like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, the wide receiver three was non existent. So I think that they're going to run so much two tight end sets that it's going to take a major injury. But also, too, it's tough to – I've heard great things about Donovan Peoples-Jones. When you said that, I was like, okay, this guy – there's been a lot of camp reports about how yeah. good he's playing. I'm interested to see what the depth chart looks like. If it, if it comes to that he's leapfrog guys like Higgins and, and Hodge, who were fine, they're, they're, they're veterans, they're, they're guys are in the league a bit longer. But I'm interested. If he actually leapfrogs those guys, becomes the wide receiver three, because Landry's a slot guy. Then you have Odell and then Peoples-Jones on the other side. That's a fun little three-receiver set. But it does, like you brought up, Odell gets hurt. Now we're talking. I mean, now we're if he's now the number two receiver, I actually think he could be a thing. So, like, 
You know, so that's something to monitor. He, these are the type of names that you just watch throughout the uh, preseason. See what the depth chart is at the end of the – like right before week one. If Peoples-Jones is the wide receiver three and you see Odell pull up lame in a game, just know on waiver wires, a lot of people won't be talking about him. We will. They'll be like, hey, just put him on your bench because now he's the receiver too. That's the kind of stuff – that's the important thing about these deep sleepers. Totally agree. And, again, he's going as a wide receiver 138. So do not draft him in redraft leagues. Okay, don't be silly. Don't come back to me in week five and be like, Sky, I just burned I burned a month of Donovan Peoples-Jones on my bench. Bullshit. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Dynasty, though, go pick him up for free if he got an extra spot. All right? And then in redraft, just keep an eye on him. If Odell comes out slow or he ends up injured, um, you certainly can look at Donovan Peoples-Jones or the OG Sammy Watkins for at least week one and when they get to the Super Bowl. Then he can play him again in DFS. All right, Bobby, that's another great episode of the super fun series. I love this series every single season. It's fun to keep our receipts and go through it at the end of the year. We got the studs, duds, breakouts, and sleepers, and a deep sleeper for you for the AFC North. Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and Bengals will be back with you next week. Bobby and I will break down the next division, but stay tuned to the TCK because the rest of this week we are breaking down the rest of uh, the upcoming divisions here. And we're going to get into the NFC North and um, make sure that we have some fun here with uh, the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears and the Lions as well. So stay tuned. This is another great episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, G-U-A-S-C-O. Find me on Facebook, Fantasy Football underscore TCK. Pod, make sure to rate and review anywhere you listen to your Believe Podcast Networks here for the podcast and make sure to subscribe to us right here on the YouTube channel as well. Bobby, my dog's going crazy, so I'll turn over to you for the rest of our of our avenues here. Yeah, man, you can follow make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sky Guasco and at Bobby Lamarco. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK and myself at fantasy football X Factor. But make sure you're following us on TikTok. All the young hip stuff you want to see. I'm doing a bunch of breakdowns for updates on videos, but we're also sharing some of these clips on there as well. So go check us out there and make sure you follow us on all our social medias. And also make sure you're trying out for the listener leagues. I mean, we still got some spots. Make sure you DM in Sky. Make sure you get involved in those leagues. If we get enough, we'll add another league or something. So just make sure you keep following us and get involved. Make sure if you do get to us with the listener leagues, I want to make sure that everybody is actually following the three questions we ask you to do. It's important to me. It's important to Bobby. There's been some excellent feedback, and we're going to retort that back to you. People come up with great feedback that Bobby and I don't necessarily think about it. We want to make the best product for you. You can help us make you a better product. So please make sure you handle the fi- the three things. If you haven't heard those three things yet, it's in episode 423. Dial it back a little bit and sign up. We are running out of spots in the TCK Listener League. I'll tell you right now, the Redraft League is almost full. We have two spots as of this podcast. That'll probably be done by the end of the week. The Guillotine League has five or six left as of this podcast and then there's an unlimited amount of space in the Pick'em. So if you want to be a part of the NFL Survivor Pool Pick'em Weekly during the season, we can do that as well. Want to give a shout-out one more time to Draft with Red Zone Draft Boards and, of course, the Jersey Jungle and our new sponsor at Expand the Box Score. Check us out next episode. This episode and all episodes of the TCK have been brought to you by, once again, Bet Online. Go to Bet Online AG for your online sports betting experts. For my man, Bobby Lamarco, I am your host, Sky Guasco. We'll catch you again soon. We are out of here.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.